Hello and welcome to Integral Teaching, presented by teachingintothefuture.com. My name is Diane Walters, and I've got a series of podcasts based on what I call the unfinished lesson, leaving room for the students. Let's get right to it. To let go and let come in the classroom is to enter into a mystery which Walt Whitman in Song of Myself over a hundred years ago said, I in this mystery, here we stand. So I began to look at that in the classroom as a teacher. So if I'm standing in my classroom, however that looks in this day and age, how do we stand? How do we stand inside and into the mystery of education? Which you could say is the root source of what education is. Because if it's not a big mystery that we're unrolling and unveiling for our children, along with them, what is it that we're doing? We're not wanting them to just reiterate encyclopedic knowledge, let alone computational knowledge, without the mystery. Going back to the source of our human curiosity and what makes us human. Peter Reason is an educational strategist and writer. And in 2004, he spoke in relation to uh, learning from sensory experience. He coined a term called participatory mind and the importance of that in the classroom. His reflection about a participatory world stimulates thoughts about many different ways of knowing through inner and outer participation and highly interactive activities in the classroom. His questions and inquiry into new ways of thinking about participatory mind gives an image of hierarchical thinking in straight lines. So that made me wonder about what teaching in curves would be like. Bear with me now. Experimentation with the idea of a fulcrum of straight and curved lines and forms in the classroom was for an effort for me to find the right balance between teachers and students in a cyclical fashion. Imagine a Mobius strip or the image of the infinity symbol, which in your mind's eye, if you can imagine this, is just a beautiful ribbon that goes from left to right on the horizontal, and it flows from one into the other. What is the inner becomes the outer, and what is the outer becomes the inner. One side could be the teacher presentation, and as it flows through the crossing point into the student's inquiry, and then from the student's inquiry back into the teacher's presentation and participation, and together everyone is participating into a infinity, into the mystery of education itself. It's really teaching out of a level of integrity and grace. When you think about the Mobius strip or the infinity symbol, you're thinking that you're taking curiosity and inquiry into the larger picture, and then you're working from that larger question that as yet does not have a finite answer because it's a question. And it moves it into a microcosm kind of way. So uh, from a macro to a micro, from the large to the small, from the small back to the large. And in asking the question and researching the answers, both students and teachers 
become co-collaborators in the classroom on the quest to answer the mystery. Students question themselves, their peers, and their teachers on new knowledge that they are trying to incorporate into their mental structures. Teachers require tremendous patience and sensitivity to the needs of their students in working with an inquiry-based, mystery-based model of teaching in the classroom or teaching online in a hybrid situation. This brings Arthur Zines back to mind. I've talked about him in earlier podcasts. He wrote a book called Contemplative Inquiry. His research approach integrates academic pursuit with contemplative awakening. Contemplative inquiry necessitates open imaginative capacities for intuition, he said, and a willingness to enter into new dimensions of knowing. Working with the idea of contemplation in the classroom is really working with the idea of stillness and that sort of letting go and letting come. So you're taking the crossing point of activity and passivity and you're finding that crossing point which is stillness which leads us back to the first podcast when I talked about finding your still point as teachers and letting the children and youth find their still point in the course of a day, a class, a lesson, a moment. I evoked for you an image of the Mobius strip or infinity symbol of two loops going from one to the other. Whether it be actually horizontal or vertically, it's always the two loops and that crossing point in the middle is at the core of our teaching practice. But what is more than at the core is the role of the image because you wouldn't have any idea what I was talking about if you couldn't form an imagination in your mind's eye of that Mobius strip. And so when you think about teaching through the impact and import of image or imagination, you are working with something that is at the core of human learning itself. And I think that at this point, all teachers do that whether they're aware of it or not, but it's quite powerful Arthur Zients said, just as the mystery and power of words are universally appreciated, so too is the potency of images recognized by all cultures. All images have powers all their own. If we look at current contemporary imaginations today, we see an augmented human being having superpowers. I have worked with teachers who have taken this collective mass production or mass imagination of a superpower into their classrooms by asking the children what they believe their own superpowers are or what the superpowers of their classmates are. And they work with that into math and language and history. But I believe that our true superpower as teachers is to teach through the imagination at all times, in all grades. And the way it works is to give images, but not give too much. Always just leave a little room for what is coming, like the other end of the Mobius strip. And I find that also really interesting that the Mobius strip or the Lemniscate is current and contemporary icon for autism self-advocacy. And it's a rainbow 
which is even better because the rainbow holds the coat of many colors all the way through it. I think, well, every teacher is learning to work with a new type of children today. Autism has been on the rise for a number of years, and I'm not going to get into all the reasons or causes for that. I think that might come in future guest podcasts. But I know as a teacher and working with autistic children and youth that I've had to go into an area that isn't about the intellect because autistic people are often quite savvy intellectually. But I've had to actually arrive at how I'm going to tease some social skills out of the autistic child or youth. It's often a little harder for an autistic person to really grasp into the imagination, which made me work even harder at it. And I began to realize that autistic people who are only labeled that way, but they have the ability to see numbers as colors. My goodness, I realized how limited my imagination was because I didn't see a three as a color, as an orange or a blue or a green, and that I could imagine a multidimensional world where words have a feeling and a wholly invisible reality behind them, an energetic, made me wonder what they were dipping into or reaching up for that I had yet to realize. So instead of seeing autism as a form of limitation in the classroom, I began to see it as what I didn't know yet. I let go of my preconceptions about what it was, and I let arrive a wonder and a mystery into seeing numbers as colors and letters and words as feelings. I have the great good fortune in working with a teacher who is working in the Mohawk Immersion School in the Six Nations, south of Toronto in Canada. Aluia Dany talked about teaching his collective group of grade three and four students. He was working with critical thinking capacities through working with riddles. And he leaves riddles for homework. So I asked him what was the riddle he left his students today. And he said, I can fill a room, but I take no space. What am I? And I'll leave that riddle with you. Think about it. I can fill a room, but can take no space. What am I? As I began to fill those answers in for myself, I came up with breath and space and time and uh, silence and quiet and love. All of them weren't what he was thinking of, but I realized that all of them were right. That's the power of the imagination. You can really come into, I can fill a room, but I take no space. What am I? Quiet. Love. Silence. Well, the response he was looking for was light. So when you're teaching children and you're allowing for a wide variety of yeses, yes, you're right, and yes, and it's quiet, yes, it's breath, yes, it's light, yes, it's love, all of those are the right answer. It all depends on how alive and fluid you want your imagination to be, which is exactly what we want to teach our children to do. We want them to teach to think out of the box because, quite frankly, we don't know what we're, we're preparing them for.
And what we need to prepare them for is to be resilient and flexible and to think outside of the box. From Daniel Pink and his long-ago book, A Whole New Mind, to uh, more recently Yuval Harari in his chapter on education in teaching 21 lessons for the 21st century. We're really looking at how we can expand on our ability to work with critical thinking through collaboration, communication, and creativity. How do we take those four C's and tie a beautiful bow around it with critical thinking, connection, collaboration, and creativity with a level of contemplation as teachers? How do we bring our own contemplative inquiry to necessitate open, imaginative capacities for intuition in the classroom? And how do we, out of our hearts, enter into a willingness to go into new dimensions of knowing and teaching? Thank you for listening to Integral Teaching, presented by Teaching Into the Future, and I hope to see you again. If I piqued your interest, it would really help if you would rate my show either by a like or giving me your personal rating. I'm just starting out here, and I've got a whole lot more for you. So stay tuned for my next podcast.